This video goes through what is involved in a syndicator's life after the money has been raised and the assets have been acquired, what things take place. Because I think that when you understand that, it becomes a compelling future in order to go forward and put together your own syndication or fund. Now, this particular video comes from some coaching that I did several years ago, but the ideas are absolutely valid today just as they were then. That at that time, it was for a group I put together called the Altitude Syndication Founders Club. As part of that, it was obviously for real estate because we're talking a little bit more about real estate in those videos, but the material applies just as well to, to, uh, to across asset classes. So I'm sure you'll find this video useful. Today, we are gonna go through one special topic, but to get there, I'm gonna go a little bit of a roundabout way. So I'm gonna start really, really high level, and we're gonna go through uh, what those things are, and then we are, so we're looking at the forest for the trees, and then we're gonna zoom in on one tree, and it's not the trees that you're thinking I'm probably gonna do, it's the trees that are out there in the future. So sometimes I know that I personally get stuck when I don't know exactly what's coming and what I'm getting myself into. And maybe you feel the same way. Maybe you feel like uh, if you do a syndication, you get the you get the idea of founder investment theory and putting that together. You understand finding properties, finding investors, uh, but maybe it is something that's out there and you can't really envision what that life is like being the syndicator after the deal's done. If that's the case, then this is the episode for you because we are going to zoom in on that set of trees and there's really four of them uh, <clears throat> that you that a syndicator or sponsor does uh, to take care of and manage syndication that's ongoing. So this is before the sale, but this is after the, your, your property has already closed and you are in it. My idea is that by setting that future vision of where you'll be, after it closes, that it will be compelling and magnetic uh, for you to go to. So let's go ahead and start with the forest view. Now, I know we've gone over this many, many times, and uh, but we're going to do it again. So here we go. Cutting to the whiteboard. And even though we're doing it again, please don't turn off this TV. Uh, this is important stuff. So we start with. Uh, Oops, for this conversation, we are starting with, perfect, just had to check everything. Uh, we are starting with founder investment theory. And although it's extremely important and the basis of everything we do for the purposes of this, it really is just one tree. It's just that big, great oak tree that stands in the middle of, of that nice yard. And that is really the calling it out. So it's the, the tree of life, if you want to use Viking terms. It is the tree that all things take place and flow from. And uh, so it is critically important, but it is just a tree. So we uh, we have our founder investment theory, and that 
builds the basis of our funnels. And for here, I just mean one specific kind of funnel. I just mean the funnel that uh, that starts the process of filtering out exactly what you're doing. All right, so we've got this funnel here. And then we've got financial analysis here as our other tool. And in this toolbox, we, uh, we put investors, right? Investors go in there and properties go in there. What comes out of that process? We're loading investors in there. We're talking about our founder investment theory, making sure that they understand, uh, doing our financial analysis with those investors in mind so we know whether they're deals that they would be doing interested in doing. We're also finding properties, properties that meet the founder's investment theory, and then doing the financial analysis on those properties to make sure that it complies with both the investors and the properties and what they want. Out of that process, you find a property, right? You find that perfect property that you want to syndicate. And here we go through things, the, the rest of the analysis. So this is the analysis of what it looks like to put this as a syndication package together. And so here we're talking about our alphabet soup which most of the time is going to be 506C, uh, but not always. And then we're doing our private placement. We're doing our operating agreement and our subscription agreement. Those are necessary before we really go to the investors and say, hey, I've got a property that is locked up. Please give me your money. Uh, they may have very well been already talked about it in this step right here uh, where we're talking about what is uh important just to sort of say, oh, this one looks like it's going to be good. And then just testing the water, seeing if investors are going to like it. Uh, but once we finally decided that the, the property is good. We go through we go through this analysis here. And this is or this operation really this and here we are marketing to the investors. We're latching them and we're collecting funds. And at the end of the day, we uh, close escrow with a great big smile on our face because everything's great, right? We've syndicated this property, we've done it. We're done, 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 right? No, not right at all, so. The next step that we have to go through is uh, is a circular system, right? 
So out of here, we are coming way up here and we are circling, circling, circling. Let's see how am I gonna do this? There we go. Got this whole big process right here that goes around and around and around. And this is the part that we're actually going to talk about today, this part that goes around and around and around. But I want to go through, we're going to go through the whole map so we're very, very clear what the forest looks like before we paint the picture of the individual scene. So you can think about this as all background, and then this piece is going to be our foreground. So in this piece, we've got Investor Communications. We've got Asset Management. We've got Property Management. And we've got Distributions. Depending on your hold period, this is your life for this particular syndication for the next five years, seven years, is in this quadrant here. But let's finish going through just what this whole thing looks like. So then an event happens. Boom. Right? And it triggers us to say, maybe this is time to sell this property. Whatever that event is, maybe the pricing looks great, maybe whatever it is, suddenly it looks like it's time to sell. Here we'll put, boom as the big idea that, hey, it's time to sell. And then we're coming back and we are gonna be closing this. And so first we need to decide if it's time to, do, uh, to sell this property. And then we need to vote most of the time on whether it's time to sell this property. Then we need to make our final distribution And then we need to close. And ultimately, if you remember in the um, in our uh, in the core, after this point, there's another party here because you've you've just made some money, most likely. But you're also taking those same people back. all the way back and making them your investors for the next deal. So let us now zoom in on this piece here. That is so important. All right. So let's... Um, So what we're going to do, cut, then we're going to 
Hopefully this will work. Going to, oops, oh, oh, oops. Now we're going to clear the canvas. And we're going to paste, almost worked. Um, remember here, oops. That's what we're missing. All right. So investor communications, asset management, property management, and distributions. So that was the forest. So these those were the things that takes place. So, and they're all these different time cycles, right? So you're you're finding properties, you're identifying your initial investors, those sort of things. Typically, it's about three month cycle. So that's about three months. Now we've got uh, our next cycle is the the funding and the going through escrow, getting the property bought. That also is about three months. This next piece, like I said, is the long cycle. This is the this is where you actually are earning your money also as a syndicator because you're holding that property and you're managing that asset. So I think that we need to come to this world with the idea of investors first and investor communication is paramount. So we're going to go through what exactly that investor uh, communication looks like. So that way, it's kind of crystal clear what's important and what's not. Now, this is um, that you're going to be sending these out, and probably you're going to be sending these out every quarter. Uh, you might be sending it out every uh, year. It, uh, uh, you might be sending it out every month. Every month is a bit much. Um, actually, let me, we're going to go kind of off, off my plan here. And to show you how investor communication works, rather than drawing it, I'm actually going to share it. So let me just set that up real quick. Uh, uh, um, I know that's that half screen is dark. Just bear with me for one second. Here we go. All right, it looks perfect. All right, so this is uh, basically a, a template um, that is used for making, sending out a, uh, a notification about what's going on in any particular deal. Um, but this is a great way to tell your investors, hey, I know exactly what's going on uh, in my property. Now, I don't think I can draw directly in there. I can. Oh, sweet. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Okay. That's great. Uh, so I'm going to give myself a color pen. Is that? I'm going to give myself a, uh, a green pen today. All right. So this section here at the top, this just let, reminds them what property they're talking about. Now, 
when you have doing multiple properties, you're probably going to have some investors who are in different properties. You'll find that investors print these things out, that they keep them and that they save them, or they just keep them in their inbox. But you're going to find that that they may get a little confused as to which property they're talking we're talking about if it's not called out for them at the top. So that's why I like it. Uh, this section here, I put the year-to-date ending. That's mostly so that all these other calculations here, I do have my mouse great, uh, all these other calculations here can make sense uh, in terms of what is, uh, uh, what's important, right? Because we have year-to-date collected income, things like that. I find year-to-date to be kind of important. Um, investors do tend to think about, well, what's it made so far? Um, uh, or what's it made this year, or things like that. So I think year-to-date is a pretty good way to look at it. Uh, we put also put longer-term metrics in there, um, but I think looking breaking it down on a year-to-year basis makes a lot of sense. Um, the next part is very important, and this might even be the most secret, subtle, important thing about this of all time. People tend to think in terms of colors and in terms of pictures and in terms of images. And that's what this does. So what am I doing here? Why is it so front and center? Is it to make it look pretty? No, it it has absolutely nothing to do with it looking pretty. It has everything to do with this right here. Oops. Um, That shouldn't actually say acquire date. So let's... uh, Let's put it what it actually should say. And I'm glad this called it out because this will be more memorable for you. So it's not acquire date. This is images. Let's change it to photos. Photos taken. Boom. Photo taken. Just plural. Photos taken December 2020. That's the most recent time that you've taken the photos. Now, I haven't updated this sheet for for just a little while. Uh, Like I said, it's in development. And so uh, we haven't spent much time just actually updating it to anything that's useful at all, but, uh, or at least any of the captions, any of this text part, it's, they're just not important for what we're talking about. So why is this so important? Because it's saying to them, look, I've been to the property every month so let's put change it to actually what it would be october 9th 2021 now imagine getting this in your inbox today on october 12th 2021 from a syndicator who you've trusted hundred thousand dollars with Photos taken October 9th, 2021 tells your investors, hey, I take your investment very seriously. I am on the at the property all the time, or I have my property manager take the photos, and I know what is going on uh, with boots on the ground. That's why this is so important. This is how you build up trust without even having to say, trust me, trust me, trust me, or anything else. It's it's very clear you are doing your job just because you put two pictures here. 
So how do you get these pictures taken if it's not near you? Uh, as you have your property manager take them, you have the uh, cleaning crew take them. Uh, anybody that you're paying can take them. You could even pay somebody, an agent in the area to you know pay them a couple hundred bucks uh, to take photos for you. It is well worth it. Probably not a couple hundred, that might be a little high. All right, so then the next section that we've got is this uh, this section here, uh, the cash flow summary. So I like to give just sort of an idea about how what, what our accounts are so they see that I'm on top of everything. So we've got our year-to-date gross collected income, so that's all of our rents, all of our other income. We've got all those pass-throughs collected because I'm not counting that as income per se. Uh, depending on the type of building it is, if it's an apartment building, I'm not collecting pass-throughs anyway, but maybe I would put something like um, laundry income collected, or if there's um, if there's any other form of income, what that, that looks like. So they can see that that's another bonus uh, kind of money that they're getting to put in their pocket. And then I do the year-to-date expenses. Now that I put a percentage there to give them an idea about what percentage of the, of the, uh, the total amount collected is. And I subtract that off, and that obviously gives me the year-to-date net operating income. So that's this section. This section right here, I want to let them know what is coming up in the future. So what are those notable expenses? If we have a new tenant moving in and we're doing tenant improvements, or we've got to pay brokers, or we've got to be restriping the parking lot, whatever it is, so that way they know, the tenant or the uh, investors know exactly what they're going to be paying uh, in the near term. You know, what are those fees? Uh, what does that look like? Let me just check something real quick. Okay, perfect. Um, so exactly what does that look like? Um, so in this case here, I probably should have explained it a little bit better. Unit D's lease will expire in two months, meaning that we probably will be paying within the next th three months after that, we'll be paying broker commission uh, equal to approximately three to 6% of our um, of the total rent value plus we're looking at tenant improvement costs of approximately $10 a square foot, whatever it is. So that way they know ahead of time that's what's coming in. And when they see that reflected in your the rest of the document uh, in the subsequent months or quarters, that will all make sense to them. It will reconnect. It'll close that loop and it'll let them know that you're doing a good job. Um, our occupancy, obviously, commercial real estate li uh, lives and breathes on its occupancy. So I like to talk about what that occupancy looks like right now. We're at 100% occupied, but next month, because Unit D is leaving, that is going to be put, change our occupancy to 85% or whatever it is. This is just a projection about what that looks like. Uh, next, we've got our rent delinquencies. Our rent delinquencies are our... Um, our rent delinquencies let the let the uh, let them know that we've got a um, you know who's late who's not late uh, you know during times of COVID when I had to send these it was you know these two tenants are late this is what we're doing in order to to stop that or in order to collect on that uh, cash reserves so remember we keep a reserve account. I like to keep a reserve account that's fairly large and cushiony, depending on what the expenses are. I mean, really, I'm trying to target somewhere around maybe $100,000 even. Uh, 
the problem is, is that this, this reserve account does create drag on the investment. Uh, so you don't want it too high, but you want it to be able to cover anything that's unforeseen. We'll talk a little bit about that when we talk about distribution. So what it does is it creates that, that drag uh, there, but I'm always putting money into it. So I like to fix mine either on NOI or on cash flow, um, like 1% of cash flow into the deal. So that way it's always being added to sometimes more. You know, there may be times where you will suspend distributions and all that money is going into reserves. Um, and then just sort of an overview to remind them of what that deal looks like. So what the building cost, uh, if there was a capital event, like you sold off a billboard, you sold off something, you know, what that capital event looked like, because they forget, right? So they forget that you gave the investors $250,000 back in this scenario. Um, and so suddenly it's like, wait, the property is worth, worth 3 million, you know, 3.2. 2 million, but we paid 3.3. I don't get it. Did it go down? No, didn't go down. It went up uh, because of the capital event. You could even put in um, total basis and then put down here estimated um, uh, estimated new value or something like that. Oops. Estimated. Oops. Right, so you could even put that there just to let them know that that hey, this thing is making money. Um, you know, especially if their basis, if the value is over their basis. The last two parts of this are also uh, important. Really, everything's. But the pictures, I think, actually are the most important. Um, well, uh, second only to sending this at all. Um, a lot of syndicators don't send anything. Uh, they just keep quiet and it drives the investors completely bananas because they just gave you $50,000. They have no idea what's going on and nothing worse than not knowing what's going on. So uh, key investor metrics that I like to share is what our monthly net distribution looks like. Uh, what our uh, uh, what our I'm sorry, what our net income looks like roughly, what our monthly distributions look like, the estimated value per share. So they bought in at some certain dollar amount. And what's that per share? And then um, and then our our calculation of our yield. So our current uh, net operating income yield, pro forma net operating income yield. So where is it going? And then what is our current distribution yield? Lastly is, is the property update. So this is a narrative section where it gives you a chance to really kind of explain and dive deep into that explanation. It doesn't have to be very long. I mean, here it's kind of two paragraphs in Latin so that nobody can read it. And then um, it really is uh, a chance for you to expand on that. This also builds trust because it, it tells them, even if they don't read it, it tells them that you know what's going on on the property. And in the market, I would definitely talk about market. Um, and so, some of these, I some of these things in property update. Uh, also, we'll talk about as it relates to the property management and asset management piece of this puzzle.
Let's go back to the whiteboard. So that is the investor communication piece. The next piece is your asset management. In asset management, you are basically keeping an eye on the property. Now, there, uh, there are certain things that, that you do as an asset manager that are just those things that you have to do as an asset manager. Uh, one of them is investor communications. Obviously, another extremely important one that only happens once a year is your K-1s. Your K-1s is a partnership tax uh, distribution like a 1099. It, it lets the IRS know uh, basically what that income looked like for every investor. It is a necessary part. Um, there are situations where you are doing 1099s instead of K-1s, um, primarily if, if it's formed as a corporation rather than a, uh, an LLC being taxed as a partnership. Most people, 99% uh, of you will do K-1s for much of your career and maybe have a few deals that do 1099s, but not that many. Um, so you're doing your K-1s. You're also just looking for opportunity. So in our last call, that was so good uh, when we talked about the founder investment theory and we lined up founder investment theory with how we do uh, the different strategies and coupled it with what our, uh, our, our value add components look like. This looking for value add components is part of what you're doing as an asset manager. What can I do to bring more cash to my investors? Um, and that's really the main part of asset management. Maybe it's even, you know, is it keeping an eye on, is it time to refi the property? Is it time for us to do something more like uh, with our taxes, like cost segregation? Is it time to do something? Should we sell off a piece of it? Is it time to sell? Asking those sort of questions is the asset management component. The, um, so the other piece of it is property management. And I put property management here because even if you are not doing your property management yourself, you are acting as a property manager. So uh, in the sense that you're overseeing the whole property and what the property manager themselves is doing. So here we like to look at the really kind of all of the strategies that take place within property management as a puzzle, right? So we we're looking at the property itself. We're looking at the market. We're looking at the leases. Uh, and we're looking at the finance. And then we're looking at um, at projects and decision making about those projects. Now, in the core, uh, the videos that are already uploaded, uh, we go through each one of these. And to do that, I really pulled that from the IRM or the um, the Institute of Real Estate Management's uh, guidelines for what their property management 
uh, template looks like. So again, I can send that to you. Actually, we'll put that. It's a great piece to have. Uh, it's a really clear cut example of the things that you need to be knowing as uh, not just a property manager, but really as as any owner of commercial real estate, you need to know those things and you really need to know how to manage those things. So I'm going to put that in the show notes uh, with this video because it's so important and uh, that will really kind of break things down. But as part of that, in the core, we also have videos on each of these elements. So they uh, do go through that because that really explains like how you do a market analysis, how you do lease analysis, uh, how you just look at the finances and how you make decisions about what projects come first and how you prioritize what those projects are in the property management context. The last piece of this, let me see. The last piece of this is distributions. So in your PPM, you made a decision that distributions would be made every quarter or every month or every year, right? So those distributions need to happen and they need to get paid out. So to make distributions happen the right way, first, we need to ask ourselves, um, how much cash have we got? All right, how much money's in the bank? And I don't mean just the amount in reserves. I mean, just how much is sitting there uh, for us to, uh, based on the rents that have been made and the expenses. Then the next question is, what expenses are coming up? What are those expenses and what do they look like and when are they coming up again? So am I going to be needing to make a, uh, make a tax payment this, and I haven't made that yet? So I need to make sure that I have enough money put aside for it. So we tend to look maybe a year out, maybe six months out and analyze based on that. So we subtract this out. Uh, then I want to look at reserves account. How much money is in reserves? How much money would I like there to be in reserves? And do I need to start putting money in there? And then four, we make a decision on how much to distribute. And so I'm not sure how this diagram is going to work, but let me, let me give you two scenarios. So this is Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4, Q5. 
that this is five dollars, four dollars, three dollars. Actually, I was doing it by month. Let's use more realistic numbers. So let's say fifteen dollars. Um, All right, so here we've got a simple graph. Let me copy this because I said we were going to do two. Now we've got two graphs. Oops, I lost this. Oops. All right, so this is option one. This is option two. Right. So now, oops, that's funny that it left. It's here. That's fine. Now I see where those got left. All right. So let's say uh, in option one, you're paying out uh, $9 a share in Q1, you pay $6 a share in Q2, uh, then you pay $15 a share in Q3. You realize in Q4, you kind of overpaid uh, and are, are there, uh, back down to $3. And then ultimately you are at uh, $12 in Q5, right? So you've got this, you've got this thing where we're going boom, 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 right? So you're kind of all over the place in terms of what your distributions look like. So what if instead you paid, and I believe it will work out to be exactly the same. What if instead you were just stuck with the $9 a share. Right? So you're stuck with the $9 a share. Now, how are your investors going to view these two distributions? And this is kind of the art of distributions. Because what you want to do is you want to be doing like option two. Option one is going to sink you. People don't like, suddenly they get $15 a share and suddenly now they're getting $3 a share. I mean, imagine if you've got $100,000 sunk into this thing and you've got, um, uh, so you're you're getting, you know, 11, uh, you're getting $1,500 in one quarter and then the next quarter you're getting $300. I mean, it's terrible. It doesn't make any sense. So that would, 
kind of piss you off, wouldn't it? It'd be like, I have no idea how much money I can rely on coming in. The, this guy probably doesn't know what he's doing. But if I'm paying out $9, $9, $9, $9, $9, I'm suddenly safe until at the point when suddenly it's like, okay, I've got enough cash now. I've added enough value that now I can start paying $15. You're going to have in here, I mean, since you spent the same amount, you're back up to 15 still for the next month, you know, great for you. But your investors don't have any trust in you whatsoever at that point. So the distributions part of the circle is really coming to something that makes sense, that's nice and steady, and that conveys trust. So here is what we've done. All right, so we zoomed in in this discussion on this, uh, on this cycle on this cycle of what we need to do. This is your life for the next five years or seven years. And it's not that much work, really. It's just work that needs to get done. And it will take maybe, I don't know, um, it could take as little as 30 minutes a month, uh, an hour a month at the most, uh, in order to just to run through these things. Now, there will be times where you have to do more than that. But most of the time, they're just fairly simple things. As you start, as we get to your investor communications template, you're going to see all you have to do really is plug the numbers in and send it. It's not that difficult. And choosing your distributions, there's art to it, but it's not really that hard to do. If you build out a, a spreadsheet that's got all of your investors laid out, all of the waterfalls, all of the distribution channels, and you just put in how much money you're going to be distributing that month. And you can kind of just play with it and tweak it until you say, okay, yeah, we're going to be paying $15 this quarter, if that's the number, or $9 this quarter to use what we used before. The property management piece, yeah, it takes time and you are getting paid as a property manager to do it if you are choosing to do it that way, to do it yourself which is great if you do. Um, I do wanna say, I do encourage you to manage your own properties at least a little bit because it gives you a, a better boots on the ground feel for what it's like to actually run these things if you haven't run them before. Um, so it's useful, but it also could be just that, you know, you have a property manager in place, but then you're looking at those sort of decisions that are going in. And then you've got a process for making the bigger decisions, like when to make capital expenditures or what, how to go with leasing and, and what that looks like. And then really it's just your asset management piece, which really doesn't take much time at all. Um, you've got to get your K-1s done, which means you submit all of your information to your accountant because you should not be doing your K-1s yourself. Uh, it is too much work and not pleasant, and you don't want to make a mistake, and you want them to get done as quickly as possible. But you're also looking for opportunities to add value and just kind of getting a sense for the property. And this is what you do. This is what life as a syndicator is like. So once you cross that threshold and that syndication is funded and closed and going, it's really not a lot of work and it's actually kind of fun. So now it's the communicating with investors. Every now and then an investor will call you and you'll talk to them about what's going on in the property and you'll feel good after it because you know what's going on in the property. 
and uh, they'll like it because they'll feel like, wow, I got, I got to talk to the, I got to talk to the main man himself, uh, you know, right away. And we talked to, and he told me everything that was going on. He knew what was going on. And so they think highly of you. They're going to want to be in your next deal. This is the cycle. So as you can see, that forest through the trees concept of looking at this huge process and suddenly you're, you know, doing all this hard work up front. You're finding the properties, finding investors, latching investors, doing your K, uh, your uh, private placement memorandums, your operating agreements, your subscription agreements, all that work that takes to get it going. It's not that much more that you have on an ongoing basis. So the, all the work takes place up front. So really the, the most work takes place, the most work takes place in that beginning stage uh, and then in mo even more in that second stage where you're, where you're actually getting the deal so it can close. And after that, it's really not very complicated. Even the closing stage isn't that much work in terms of what you actually are doing. Even if you're acting as the broker yourself, you've closed properties, you know how to get it done. So with that said, we're going to cut the meeting a little bit shorter today because I have this cold, um, but I hope that explains it. So what's ahead for you is not scary and it should not be holding you back. And I'm hoping that seeing that sort of like, this is what it is out there, you know, this is what, what I'm holding. It just draws you to it because it's not complicated. You're getting money for it. And uh, the sooner you get started on that, the better. Now you, that you can see what that goal looks like, so when the money is raised and once you've acquired the assets, now you can see what the context is, right? So the work that gets done up front is very heavy, and it's that raising the money, closing the assets, all those things take place. And then you're in this period where you're going to be running that fund or running that syndication. And that's what this video talked about, right? So it gives you that context of, Okay, now I understand the beginning of it and how that I've got to find assets, raise money, and then I close on it, and then what? So I wanna fill in that gap for you, and that's what this video did. Because if you see the start and you see the end, and you can identify, look, I'm gonna make a lot of money doing it, it becomes kind of a no-brainer in order to, to do these, uh, to start your own syndication or fund, which was the whole point of this. So it's not a difficult process. It is a very involved process, but none of this work is actually very difficult. And I hope that's what this video helped convey to you and put into context about when you get started, what exactly is, are you committing to? My name is Tilda Moschetti. I am a syndication attorney with the Moschetti Syndication Law Group. If we can help you put together your own syndication or fund, whether it's in real estate, like is being discussed in this video, or for raising money for your business or some other asset class altogether, we'd love to talk with you, help make you successful as well. We take care of all the legal documentation. Of course, that's what we do. We're a law firm, but we also go the extra mile to make sure that what you're doing is both investable and will make you money. And so that ultimately you are successful in the project uh, or fund that you are putting together.